It's great to be with you, folks. Don't believe a word that Dave uh, says. I'm sure, you, I'm sure you don't anyway. You know him uh, well enough already. But it, it, it's great to have the fellowship with uh, Dave and Miranda and with other ex-Queen Sparkers here as well. It's, uh, it's always good to see friends. And to be back with you folks and to get such a warm welcome here in Pitlochry is, uh, is a very encouraging thing. I appreciate, Dave, your uh, kind words. Uh, and it's, it, yeah, it's been a great joy to see how the Lord has used you in ministry over these years and continues to do so. So I pray the Lord will bless you abundantly in the days to come. The reading is from Romans 8, well-known passage of Scripture, uh, Romans chapter 8, and we'll read from verse 18 uh, down to verse 27. Romans 8 and verse 18. This is the word of God. Paul says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Amen. May the Lord add his blessing to that reading of his precious word. So here we are on Pentecost uh, Sunday, celebrating the uh, gift to the church of the Holy Spirit and the ministry of the Spirit within the church. It was, after all, as Dave said earlier, that the Holy Spirit falling on the disciples recorded for us in Acts chapter 2, that was what birthed the church. Uh, these uh, ride bag of disciples, very frightened men, were suddenly transformed into bold evangelists, and the church started to grow. The exciting story of the growth and development of the church is contained in these chapters in the book of Acts. And part of the secret of the church's growth was its dependence on the Spirit of God in prayer. And you see that again and again through the book of Acts. Uh, sometimes they pray with great faith, 
chapter 4, for example, uh, when they have been taken before the Sanhedrin and been told to keep uh, quiet, not to preach about Jesus, they pray, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. And they were praying in faith and expectancy. And the Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. They didn't keep their mouths zipped up. They went out boldly preaching. Uh, the Spirit was with them. They had great faith for that, but sometimes their faith was a bit more like uh, ours is on occasions. You remember in Acts chapter 12 when Peter had been thrown in prison and the church are gathered at Mark's mother's house and they're praying for Peter and Peter is miraculously freed by an angel, uh, walks out past the guards who don't seem to see him. Uh, he is protected by the angel. And once he's out in the street and realizes that he's not just been dreaming, he says, I need to get back to where the church is. He goes and knocks on the door of Mark's mother's house. A servant girl comes to open the door. She runs back to tell the church you're at prayer. Peter's here. He's at the door. You must be mad, they say to her. How can, how can Peter possibly be at the door? He's in jail. We're praying for his release. Well, sometimes our praying's a bit like that, isn't it? We pray, we pray, but actually we don't believe it's going to happen. And uh, you've been, we've just been hearing again, you've been having this focus on prayer over these last 10 days, and I'm sure there has been great blessing in that as you've prayed for others and just sensed uh, the Lord uh, with you and hearing your prayers. But sometimes it can be difficult to pray, can't it? Uh, well, if you're like me, You'll know times, many times, I'm sure, when you find it very difficult to pray and don't even know quite what you should pray for in some situations. Very difficult. But on this Pentecost Sunday, when we are thinking about the gift of the Holy Spirit and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, here's the good news. We read it there in Romans chapter 8. We have some help when we come to pray. We have some help when we don't even know how to pray or what to pray for, because the Holy Spirit is the enabler of prayer. Remember that. The Holy Spirit is the enabler of prayer. Romans 8:26. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. That's what Paul is saying in this passage. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. So what is the Spirit's ministry in our praying? Well, first of all, it's a ministry in partnership with us. It's in partnership. The little English word helps there in verse 26, the Spirit helps us is a, a, a much richer word in Greek. I used to know a little Greek. Uh, he ran a restaurant just beside Queen's Park uh, Church. Uh, yeah, the, the amount of Greek I know is very limited. But the word translated uh, helps is the word sunante lambano. Let me say it again because I love to say it. 
Soon Ante Lambano, it's, it's up on the screen there. Uh, it appears only one other place in the New Testament where uh, uh, Martha is asking Jesus to tell Mary to come and help her to make the meal and get the food organized and stuff, and that, that's the word. But the root word, lambano, appears many times. It simply means to take hold of uh, or to take in the hand. But these two prefixes that come at the beginning of the word seem to contradict each other because soon means together with and anti means instead of or for. But in fact, what this word is telling us is that the Spirit not only takes hold of our weakness, but does so together with us. He expects our willing cooperation in prayer, but he's also doing it instead of us or for us, because he does for us in prayer what we cannot do for ourselves. Soon ante lambano, he helps us. That's the kind of help that we're talking about. He helps us in our weakness. The Spirit is praying in us and through us. The Holy Spirit of God praying in you and through you. Sometimes that will be in, I was going to say in English, but maybe there are some uh, non-English speakers amongst us this morning, I don't know, but whatever your language is, you'll most frequently pray in your natural language. Sometimes you'll pray in tongues. Sometimes you'll just groan in your spirit because words won't come at all. But the Spirit is interpreting our prayers and carrying them to the Father. And he always prays, Paul says, in accordance with God's will. Now, sometimes in our prayers, we say, if it's your will, Lord. The Holy Spirit doesn't need to say that because when he prays and when he is praying through you and me, he is always praying in accordance with God's will. Later on in this chapter in Romans 8, Paul tells us that the Lord Jesus Christ also prays for us. He says he is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us in the strength of his finished work on the cross. Christ makes intercession for us before the Father. So he makes intercession for us from his place of authority at God's right hand. The Holy Spirit makes intercession in us. And that's especially important at those times when we just don't know what to pray or how to pray. So he's praying in partnership with us. Second thing to notice about the Spirit's praying is it's with passion. He prays with passion. What Paul is referring to here is no polite prayer. These are groans that words cannot express. There is deep feeling and emotion here. This is not mouthing a few pious phrases, which prayer sometimes is, if we're honest. It's not that. This is groaning in the Spirit. When all you can do is sigh or groan or weep, you're still praying. 
The spirit in you is praying, and he's groaning as well. Have you ever, have you ever felt that in prayer? Oh, you just, there are just no words. The spirit groans within you, and God knows the mind of the spirit. So when you're praying in the spirit, and Paul encourages us in Ephesians 6, we'll come back to that in a moment, to to pray in the spirit. When you're praying in the spirit, God knows what's in your heart, even when no words can be expressed by you and me. And that praying is going to be in God's will because the Spirit always prays in accordance with God's will. Now, this is not to encourage laziness in our praying. Of course, it's absolutely right for us to have prayer lists, for us to receive information about prayer, even to do some research about the area that we're praying for or the country that we're praying for or the people that we're praying for. Of course, that's right and important. This is not to encourage laziness. But it's to remind us of a wonderful ministry of the Holy Spirit that we must not lose sight of. To encourage us in prayer, the Spirit prays in partnership with us. And he prays with a deep, deep passion. But there's more. The Spirit also prays with perseverance. And in Ephesians 6, In verse 18, Paul encourages us to pray in the Spirit on all occasions. That is, in partnership with the Spirit and with passion and with perseverance. He says, always keep on praying. Don't give up. Don't just do it once. Keep on praying. So there's a wonderful illustration of this in the Old Testament. In the life of Elijah, if you want to uh, turn to it, if you've got Bibles with you, we'll just take a few minutes uh, to look at this 1 Kings chapter 18 and at verse 41. There has been drought in the land for, for three years. And then Elijah has got Ahab, the king, to call all of the prophets and priests of Baal together They have that incredible contest on Mount Carmel where the gods, the Baal gods, seem to be able to do nothing. And Elijah calls on Jehovah and the fire comes from heaven, licks up the sacrifice on the altar and receives it and proves that he is God and the people fall before God. Jehovah, he is the Lord. He is God. And Elijah goes up to the top of Carmel and he prays. And there are certain significant things here that we see in Elijah's praying. First of all, he listens to God. If you've got your Bibles open at chapter 18, you'll see verse 41 says, Elijah said to Ahab, go eat and drink for there is the sound of a heavy rain. Do you think Ahab heard that sound? I don't think so. Do you think anyone else heard that sound of heavy rain? I don't think so, because there was no rain. But Elijah heard it. 
he heard the sound of a heavy rain. He was listening to God. How did he hear this sound of the heavy rain? With his ears? I doubt it. He heard it deep in his spirit. In the inner secret place of his spirit. And you and I need to learn to listen like that. To be alone with God. To be quiet. To focus on him. I mean, we don't need to be in any special place. We can be in our kitchen. Where is she? (laughs) Yeah, sure, we can be in our kitchen. And suddenly, you're just locked in with the Lord. And we need to be listening at that point. What are you saying, Lord? What are you reminding me of? What are you telling me? Some people, uh, some people journal, and that's a great thing to do if you have the discipline for it. And the more you do it, just writing down what you think the Lord has said. You don't, don't try and work it out, don't try and analyze it, just write it down. Come back to it later. The more you do it, the more practiced you become in listening to the Lord. Maybe a word of scripture that you write down, maybe a picture that the Lord has given to you, it may just be a random thought, but write it down and keep alert for God to speak. So Elijah is listening for God. The Holy Spirit, I believe, is helping him to hear from God. Second thing to note here about Elijah is he's living in faith. Elijah felt that God was showing him it was time for the rain. So what did he do? He gets down on his knees and he prays for rain. How do we know that? It doesn't doesn't tell us here in 1 Kings 18, but it does tell us in James 5 and verse 18. It says, again, Elijah prayed and the heavens gave rain. He prayed for rain because he had heard it coming. Hebrews 11 says, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not yet see. He is praying in the Spirit. So he prays. He sends his servant to look, and the servant comes back, there's nothing. Elijah prays some more. Go and look again carefully. There's nothing. More prayer. Servant goes away. There's nothing. Would you have given up by now? I would have given up by now three times. I thought I'd heard Lord say there was going to be rain, but there's nothing. Maybe I got it wrong. But Elijah was living in faith. He was holding on to what he believed he had heard from God. I don't know that Elijah actually would ever have given up. Seven times this goes on. But I don't know that he would ever have given up. Maybe you've heard about the little boy who said to his father, Dad, I would love to have a little brother. And uh, Dad knew a wee bit more than the boy knew at that point. Dad said, well, you'd better start praying then. So the wee fellow prayed for a month and nothing happened. No baby brother 
Prayed for another month. Still no baby brother. Prayed for another month. Still no baby brother. So he gave up. But a few months later, dad took him to the hospital and pulled back the curtain round the bed. There was his mum, and in a cot, a new baby, a new baby brother for him. Then dad pulled the curtain back a bit further. There was another cot and another baby. Pulled it back a bit further, another cot and another baby. And dad said, now aren't you glad you prayed? And the wee boy says, yes, but aren't you glad I stopped after three months? <laughs> We need to trust God and keep on praying. That's praying in the Spirit. Elijah listens to God. He lives in faith and he looks with expectancy. Praying in partnership with the Spirit means we will look positively for the evidence of God's grace. And after the seventh time, the servant came back and he said, I see a cloud, oh, as small as a man's fist. That's it, says Elijah. Quick, tell Ahab to get moving before the roads are all flooded. What? Are you nuts, Elijah? From a cloud the size of a man's fist, the roads flooded? Are you kidding? He wasn't kidding. He was looking with expectancy to what God would show Let me ask the same kind of question again. What would your reaction have been to that wisp of cloud in the sky? You're praying for rain. There's a wisp of cloud. I think I know what mine would have been. That's not going to do the trick. We've had three years of drought. There's not enough rain in that cloud to do anything. We need a deluge. We're, playing, we're praying for a deluge. I wouldn't have looked twice at that insignificant little wisp of cloud. It's not what we need. It's not what we're asking for. It's very interesting, the different reactions that we can have to the same evidence, isn't it? Many of us Scots are very negative and pessimistic. I remember uh, a while ago coming across a comment of Alistair Beggs, Alistair was uh, minister at Hamilton Baptist for a number of years, now pastoring uh, in the United States. And he said, if I have an idea in my church in the US, they'll give me three ways of making it better. But back in my home area in Scotland, they would say, don't come here with your fancy ideas. That'll never work around here. Many of us live under Murphy's Law. You know Murphy's Law. Nothing is as easy as it looks. Everything takes longer than you think. If anything can go wrong, it will go wrong, and at the worst possible moment. That's Murphy's Law, and many of us live under that law. That's what we expect in life. We need to learn to look around positively for the evidence of God's grace and love and faithfulness in other people's lives, in situations, and in our own life. Don't, don't let the cynicism of the world get into your soul. It's very easy 
for it to do. There's plenty of it around. And it's easy for us to be infected by it. But keep your eye of faith open for the evidence of God's grace. Even though at first it's only a wisp of cloud. But for Elijah, before long, the sky has grown black with clouds. The wind has risen and a heavy rain has come on. It started as a sound in his soul to which he responded with a prayer of faithful expectancy. The wisp of cloud was enough for the man who looked positively for the evidence of God's grace. And soon it was a deluge of rain. We need to learn from Elijah, this man of spirit-led, persevering prayer, to listen to God, to live in faith, and to look expectancy for the evidence of God's grace and faithfulness. The Holy Spirit is the great enabler of prayer. Depend on him. Be glad that he's in your life and that he's praying in you and through you. And if we're going to pray in partnership with him and he with us, then it will be with passion and with perseverance. And if we're going to keep on praying, we need to learn to listen to God, to live in faith, and to look with expectancy. Elijah, James tells us, was a man just like us. And he prayed in the Spirit. We need to ask the Lord to help us to be people of Spirit-enabled prayer, just like Elijah. Let me just take a few more moments to do something, if I may. There's encouragement here for us to be recognizing that the Spirit prays with us and in us and for us. There's an example here in Elijah's Spirit-enabled praying, but there's also a warning in Scripture for us. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, we're told, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. How can we grieve the Spirit? Well, Paul tells us in that same passage in Ephesians 4, when we fail to speak the truth, the Spirit is grieved. When we harbor anger and resentment, when there's bitterness in our hearts and malice in our actions, the Spirit is grieved. When we cannot bring ourselves to forgive a Christian brother or sister, when we're unkind and unloving, the Spirit is grieved. See that picture on the screen? Tell me, is the dove landing or taking off? I don't know. Maybe if there are any ornithologists amongst you, you might be able to tell me afterwards. I don't know. And actually, from the point of view of that picture, it doesn't matter. But it matters hugely when we think of the Holy Spirit and our relationship to the Spirit. The Spirit symbolized as a dove coming and landing and remaining on the Lord Jesus. The dove is a very sensitive bird. R.T. Kendall has a lovely little book, some of you may have read it, 
wrote it a few years ago, the sensitivity of the spirit, the sensitivity of the spirit. And in that book, he tells of a missionary couple, Sandy and Bernice, who went to live and work in Israel. After they moved to their house, they discovered that a dove had come to live in the eaves of the house. They were thrilled with that because of the association of the dove with the Holy Spirit. They felt this was a kind of confirmation that they were in the place that the Lord wanted them to be. But they soon noticed something. Every time a door slammed or they raised their voices to each other, the dove fluttered away. Sometimes he stayed away for a good while. And Sandy talked to his wife about it. Have you ever noticed that? He asked her. Yes, she said. And I'm afraid that one time he'll fly away and never come back to us. Well, said Sandy, either the dove will adjust his behavior to us, or if we really want him to stay, we'll have to adjust our behavior to him. The spirit is very sensitive. Bitterness, anger, unforgiveness, bad attitudes in our hearts and minds will cause the dove to flutter away. Now, we do not lose our salvation, thank God. We do not lose our salvation, but we lose our peace. We lose our sense of the nearness of God. We lose our dependence on the Lord. The Spirit has lifted off. We may even lose our anointing for ministry. See, the Spirit is our helper. Absolutely, he's our helper, and that's the word of encouragement to us today. But don't expect him to accommodate your behavior and your bad attitudes. He won't. We must learn to adjust our behavior every day to him. So, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And rejoice in the Spirit's ministry as he grows his fruit more and more in your life and mine. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The dove is with us. The Spirit of God is praying in us and through us, and for us. Even when we don't know what to say or how to pray, even when you can only sigh and groan, the Spirit himself is groaning with you and in you. And God knows his mind. And he always prays and groans in accordance with God's will. Let's pray. Oh God, our Father, thank you 
Today especially, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we don't understand him. Sometimes, Lord, we're even afraid of him. But thank you for that picture that he comes to us as the dove from heaven to be with us, to be in us, to strengthen us, to pray through us, and to pray for us. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, will you continue to do your work in us to make us the kind of people that the Lord wants us to be. So that you are able to remain at peace with us and we with you. For the glory of Jesus. Amen.